0: Master Yoda, you're powerful. You must know a way to destroy Vader and his Inquisitors. (laughs) Padawan. Thousands of Jedi once there were. Then came war. In our arrogance, join the conflict swiftly we did. Fear, anger, hate. Consumed by the dark side, the Jedi were. Welcome back to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the, what is it now, seven-year history of the Emmy Award-winning animated series, Star Wars The Clone Wars, by discussing each and every episode, and episode arc, and comic, and novel, and story reel, and, and all that fun stuff, all the legacy content. We're at the end. We really are. This is the last piece of Clone Wars Material released chronologically, at least because you know we like to go chronological on this show. We'll be discussing the, the final chapters of Dark Disciple, everything from chapter 25 on, as we deal with the ramifications of Quinlan Voss's fall to the dark side and uh his uh his uh romantic uh romantic feelings for Asajj Ventress and and her turn to the light, you could almost say. Uh, Plus uh, some very exciting stuff with Anakin, Obi-Wan, Dooku, even a little Sidious thrown in there for good measure. Everything was in there. And we'll be breaking all that down here today on The Clone Wars Strikes Back. But first, introductions are in order if you are new to the show. My name is Dominic and joining me, as he always does, it's my good friend and co-host, the award-winning Kieran Duggan.
1: Good evening, everybody, as it hits 9.50pm here at my local time, and welcome to the newest episode of The Clone War Strikes Back. And I'm very much looking forward to this one, Dominic, because as you've rightly stated from the top there, this second half of the novel goes over so much detail with regards to the relationship between Ventress, Voss, and we learn about the jedi during the clone wars and that repeated theme of the downfall of the jedi why they lost their way and i look forward to talking about that but before we go into too much depth about that dominic how are you how have things been with you
0: Ah, uh, things have been good things are things are going well I, i'm excited to say that i can now call myself the award nominated (laughs) Dominic Jones after the, uh, after the uh, Star Wars podcast awards. Uh, We want to thank everybody who uh, supported and voted for uh, all of the programming on the Star Wars Underworld uh, podcast network, uh, including this show, which got a nomination for uh, best TV review podcast, which is awesome. Uh, uh, Voting has closed now for everything. So if you didn't vote, um, it's too late. We put out, we put it, we put it out on our social media. So you had the chance. Uh, but we, uh, but yeah, we got lots of nods for the star Wars underworld podcast, a couple for live from Lothal, uh, and of course one for this as well. So, but it's a, uh, it's just a thrill to be nominated and you can, you can follow all of that, all that's go with all of the, what's going on over there at the, uh, at StarWarsPodcastAwards.com dot com, and uh, Mike and Andy are doing a great job running things over there. So yeah, we're excited about that. Excited about that on on the uh, yeah, it's it's now the award nominated. Uh, we're no longer just award eligible. Uh, Clone Wars Strikes Back podcast. Uh, but yeah, but how are things with you? It's been a while since we've done a, <laughs> since we've done one of these uh, in in traditional Clone Wars Strikes Back fashion. We took uh, about a month off there.
1: <laughs> well, exactly, and. Both of us have actually been on Life for Lothal since we've actually done the last episode. That's where our loyalties apparently lie to all listeners
0: who are tuning in now. Yeah, but we were were talking about a Clone Wars heavy episode, right? We were talking about Homecoming with Cham Syndulla from uh, Season 1 and Season 3 of Clone Wars. He was back in a big way. A lot of Clone Wars connections this season on Rebels. Not only Ahsoka and Rex, uh, but also uh Cham and Numa Numa from from season 1 from the Ryloth arc Numa was back. Uh Hondo Hondo was running around doing things this season and of course we just had an appearance by uh, Matt Lanter as the specter of Anakin Skywalker appearing to Ahsoka in a vision in a great episode Shroud of Darkness uh which uh, actually kind of uh, applies to what we'll be talking about here with dark disciple so let's get into it and uh Karen, for the uh well for the last time when it comes to clone wars do you have an episode description for us this week
1: i do indeed dominic and we're gonna go with my personal synopsis this time rather yeah. than just uh going with one that i find on wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> Uh, even though, even though if I wanted to find one from Wikipedia, it would probably be quite difficult to find uh, mm-hmm. to narrow it down so succinctly. But I'm going to do this a little bit off the cuff, so we're going to see how this goes. It could be the most exciting and uh, roundup we're ever going to have when it comes to overviews. Anyhow, the second half of the novel, Star Wars Dark Disciple. In the second half of the novel, Sarge Ventress is down on her luck as she cooperates with the Jedi Council as they attempt to bring Voss back from the brink and once they have found Voss they bring him back to the Jedi temple and Ventress perceives Voss to still be consumed with the dark side in spite of this the Jedi allow Voss to accompany them on other missions, other Republic missions against the separatists, only soon to discover via Master Yoda that Voss has indeed turned to the dark side. And to uncover the truth, uh, Obi Wan suggests that Voss goes to assassinate Count Dooku once more. But the results of that are far more tragic than Voss could ever have anticipated.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And this made up the episodes that had they actually aired as TV episodes, we would be talking about saving Voss parts one and two traitor and the path. I feel like, uh, that, uh, third episode there was named by FN (laughs) 2199 (laughs) traitor. So, uh, uh, yeah, so let's get into this. So uh, I'll throw it to you first. Like we always do. What were your initial impressions of dark disciple part two?
1: I really enjoyed the second half of this novel. The first half was fantastic as well, but a lot of the first half was setting up the events which would unfold in the second half of Dark Disciple. And some of those key themes that we focused on in the first half crop up again, but they develop out and there's a lot more substance to them that, Makes it, I think, a lot more interesting from the reader's perspective. So, for example, the Asage, Ventress, and Voss relationship takes another twist, another turn, and their relationship becomes ever so complicated as they are dealing with the feelings of love. They both have these feelings for each other, and because of the nature of the way in which Voss has turned to the dark side, the way in which Ventress had trained him and then let him loose, so to speak, it makes the ending of this novel ever more tragic. And that is the definition of the end of this novel, really. When you compare it to the star with a joyful Voss and Ventress seemingly happy enough doing her bounty hunter work, and then what comes at the end, it's... It's a sorrowful moment. It's a poignant moment, but it makes for a very good read. That's for sure. So I was very happy with and satisfied with the way this novel had ended. And overall part two, I felt was better than part one. That's my personal opinion. What's yours, Dominic?
0: Yeah, fair enough. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed a uh, part two. I, I, per- my personal preference is part one. Uh, Part two at, at times felt just a just a smidge rushed. I feel like we went uh, the the time between Voss being returned to Voss seemingly being good to Voss them realizing Voss was really a traitor uh, kind of happened just a little too quickly. I would have liked to, to see that play out a little bit more. I would have actually liked to have seen the the or red I should say the the scene where Yoda actually figures out that Voss turns to the dark side. Um but that being said, the 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 story that we do get is is absolutely uh, fantastic. It's so well written and so well done. That last chapter every time you read it is just a gut punch and, and Christie Golden did just such an amazing job with the the fi- the ending to the story and 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 all this and it it just it, it's so well written, so well done and I I I overall really did enjoy it. Um even though there were times where I felt like we, we, I would have liked to have spent a little bit more um, time exploring Voss as the as the traitor. Uh, it was interesting the way you know in in the first half of the novel we got a lot of chapters from Voss's perspective. You know, in, in the first half of the novel, it's, it's told almost entirely from his perspective, from Ventress's perspective, and from. Uh, Obi-Wan's perspective and that was really cool and then it was really well done the way they the way Christy didn't give us any more Voss perspective chapters until that very last one from the moment he turned to the dark side until that last chapter when he was fully brought back to the light. I think was it, you know it, it really kept that mystery going. We were never able to find out um, what he was truly up to, and it also opened the door for some interesting um, viewpoint chapters. Uh, we got a little bit of from Anakin's perspective, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and uh, from Dash. Who I mean, talk about tragic scenes and another just a phenomenal bit uh, of, of writing that you know you can. It would have been a lot harder to do on television, but when. When Desh goes to to try and kill Voss with that um, stinger that he has in his hand, and he, you know, uh, when he opens that up, that method of attack, it also releases the venom into his blood, and he's going to to die anyways. And you know, Voss appears over him and and basically mercy kills him. And there's this the one of Desh's last thoughts is is he's not sure if Voss is killing him out of hatred. Or out of, like, he's going to put him out of his misery. And so I thought that was uh, so well done. And, and, and everything about this was, uh, was a, a really a strong, strong bit of, of storytelling from, from the Clone Wars team who, who came up with this. And from Christy who, who adapted it so, so well. Um, it, it really was a, 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 an incredible read. So let's get into, into this. And we see ventress basically having to swallow her pride and go to the jedi for help you know dash reaches out to her and and we see that uh you know obviously she her her being there and her uh, demanding this uh or asking for this help i guess she can't really demand anything from them anymore uh you know it shows one how far she's come along but it also gives us that another look and one of the things we see a lot of in these chapters, the last few chapters, is the Jedi the Jedi Council really um not behaving the way they should. I mean, this whole novel is an exercise in in the Jedi Council just completely misreading the situation and, and not knowing how to handle themselves. Uh, but we we see that Yoda, and, and this is something I've always I've always uh, i felt about the prequels that Yoda and Obi Wan they know something is wrong, and we really see that where you know Mace is against uh, Ventress helping out in any way, but Yoda and Obi Wan they they see something they see something is right they see something is um, they, they they recognize that she is an ally they can sense that there's something about her that has changed. Uh, What what did you make of those scenes where Ventress goes to the Jedi Council to ask for help?
1: Well, I thought what was striking about them was a couple of cheap cheap things. Uh, The first of which was, as you pointed out, Dominic, the discrepancies and the divide amongst the Jedi Council about Ventress about Voss's stay. There never seemed to be a point whenever we went to the Jedi Council, whenever there was a scene in the Council Chamber, where there was unanimous agreement. There was mm-hmm. always this divide. And I think the divide will always be there because of the methods that are being employed. The idea of assassinating Count Dooku was something which Obi-Wan frowned upon from the start. So it's not surprising that when people like Ventress are introduced, it's no longer just black or white, good and evil. There's, there's this grey area, and that's going to create this divide and debate. Uh-huh. And so it was interesting to see Obi-Wan on one side of the spectrum, in a way. It was, a lot of these sessions were looked at from his perspective in particular. And then the other person was Mace Windu. He was on the other side of the spectrum. So Obi-Wan, he seemed to be in favour of the good things, really, i.e. he was probably supporting what who the audience would have supported. They want Ventress to get involved and help out because we know what she's been through. And we understand it. We can empathize. Windu doesn't care as much about that. He has a very dogmatic outlook on these type of situations. There's either right or wrong. And so Ventress... She was a Sith acolyte, so we don't need her help. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's that's uh, really. That's, she
1: was the one that convinced Voss to turn to the dark side. Mm-hmm. We don't want her here. We should just execute her. And that was something he talks about later.
0: It's but very jump interesting. Dominic. Yeah, it's very interesting. You're mentioning, you know, Mace is very much uh, black and white. That it, it is one thing or it's the other. He's dealing in absolutes here. He is yeah. absolutely committed to the dark side, and we see. Uh, time and again throughout this novel that he is advocating, you know, of course, at the beginning for assassination of Count Dooku, but then uh the execution of Voss later on in the book, as well as Dooku. Uh you, you know, this and, and there are other Jedi that are supporting him. And it really goes to show um how much the Jedi have lost their way. And there was Uh, you know, I love that we're talking, you know, I I apologize that it took us so long to get this episode out, but I I love that we're talking about it now after the Rebels episode Shroud of Darkness aired, because there was a great uh, scene in that episode where Yoda talks to Ezra, and he basically lays out the fact that the Jedi had uh, succumbed to the dark side in their fear and anger. You know, the, the novel opens with you know, this massacre that Dooku commits. And it's something that, you know, obviously they need to respond to, and they're afraid, and they're angry about it. They're afraid that it will happen again, and they're angry that it did happen. And so they embrace a dark side tactic of going out there and trying to assassinate Dooku. And then when Voss turns, which is their worst fear, they fear what could he do as this Admiral Enigma? that uh that they keep hearing about in the novel and so he's out there as admiral enigma and then they're afraid of what he could do and they're angry about the fact that this happened and they're angry at themselves and they and their response is okay we need to find him and uh and then kill him essentially they'll find him and uh once they discover that he has turned to indeed turned to the dark side and he has betrayed them again you know obi-wan is suggesting you know uh, lock him up uh, you know um Punish him in different ways, and the consensus of the council really seems to be kill him. Uh, We need to kill him, and you know Obi Wan really, uh, you know he he says this in the final chapter. You know he he addresses the council and he says, "We lost our way. We lost it when we decided to use assassination, a practice so clearly of the dark side for our own ends. Well intentioned though they might have been." All that has happened since Voss succumbing to the dark side, the deaths he's, he has directly and indirectly caused, the secret leaks, the worlds placed in jeopardy, all of this can be traced back to that single decision. Masters, I submit to you that Voss's fall was, our, was of our own making, and Asajj's, Asajj Ventress's death is on all our hands. End quote. Um, <laughs> that scene, you know, that line from that, that sequence that Obi Wan. Uh, at the with Obi Wan at the end of this book, and what Yoda says to Ezra in uh, the the Jedi Temple on Lothal, I, I really feel like this is a you know this is those two characters because those are the only two that really have it figured or have, are close to figuring it out that something is wrong with the Jedi that there's there's something is wrong about what they're doing.
1: Absolutely, and another quote I found out from. The first chapter of the second part was to reinforce that point. What Ventress said, mm. she, because the Jedi Council are indicting Ventress, saying that it was her fault that Voss had turned to the dark side. And she said, You knew what you were getting in for when you assigned Voss this mission to mm-hmm. team up with me. Yeah. And they knew it. And they knew it from the outset. But now they're looking for the scapegoat, they're looking for the person who they can blame as a culprit, someone who has contributed to Voss's downfall. It's not our fault. It's somebody else's fault. Mm -hmm. And I think the kind of hypocritical nature of that is another flaw, really, of the Jedi Council in its own right because the doctrine has suddenly changed. And I love the quote you got there, Dominic, from Obi-Wan at the end of the novel because it sums it up. It really sums up the... Issues of the Jedi Order, it epitomises the theme of this novel, a recurring theme, which is the Jedi have lost their way. And -hmm. it's one that we keep talking about. And it's one that we should rightly highlight in this particular novel as we come to the end of discussion of Clone Wars material, because that is the crux of the Clone Wars in a way. Yeah. Yes, we talk about the rise of the Sith, but for that to happen, the Jedi have have to decline, or there has to be a decline in the Jedi Order, and I think this really is the peak of it, that they're pledging to assassinate Dooku, they're pledging to execute Voss for what he has apparently done wrong, Mm -hmm. even though it was their idea, it was the Jedi Council's idea. And so it's interesting that Mace Windu talks about these absolutes, and particularly in that Jedi Council chamber,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and yet in a way, he's dealing with absolutes the same way that Obi-Wan would declare Anakin would. Yeah. What's the difference then between that, you could ask? There isn't really, because the methods is, the methods employed is one of the dark side.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's, you know, this novel, these, these episodes would have been in season, it's season seven uh, of The Clone Wars. You know, So we would be really getting to the end of the story or of the end of the war so it it really shows you know, it, it, you know we have to imagine we're in the final year of the war at this point maybe even the last 6 months and this is all leading up to the eventual turn of uh, of the public against the jedi and of you know the clones against the jedi and the, the rise of the empire and you have to wonder and i, I really am glad that that um Christy Golden included some uh, some stuff about the media in this book you know they that they were uh, hearing about Dooku's Admiral Enigma on uh, on reports, uh, you know, from not only military ones but sort of like the the nightly news almost. I, at least that's the impression I got from from what they were what they were hearing about. And so this this idea that a Jedi had fallen, a Jedi had turned to the dark side, that can't be a. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, that can't be a good thing for the Jedi in terms of the the public eye. You know, I I don't know if if maybe it was public knowledge that Voss used to be a Jedi, that Admiral Enigma used to be a Jedi. But just the very fact that this did happen, you can bet there were whispers, there were rumblings. Uh you know, we've seen throughout the throughout the series that this happens, you know, uh, there's that great scene in Lightsaber Lost with the um The billboards, the talking billboards of Palpatine saying, you know, the rumors about the Jedi are not true, um, but he's the one who's putting those rumors out there. Uh, We then see in the Ahsoka arc that there were protests outside the Jedi Temple, people who were protesting the war, uh, people who've blamed the Jedi for the war. And the fact that, you know, someone like Dooku, who used to be a Jedi, and then there's uh, Admiral Enigma, who used to be a Jedi, uh, are the ones that are fighting this war, you can understand that the you know if some jedi turned against the republic maybe the whole order did and so when palpatine makes that speech in revenge of the sith it all it all adds up it all makes sense that the you know that the people would applaud him and that they would support the end of the jedi order uh until they realize the truth about palpatine many many years later
1: uh, it's interesting that you focus on that just the final point on this because the perception of the jedi isn't necessarily As incorrect as one would initially think. Yeah. When you look at the way the Jedi are treating their own. I mean, yes, we see it with Voss, but we've seen it before with Ahsoka, how they were so quick to condemn her and try and arrest her and, and, and remove her Jedi title. And so this isn't a surprise. We've seen it before. It's only got to a worse level now. I mean, to be fair, they put Ahsoka on trial to execute her mm-hmm. there was no trial for boss
0: yeah by that, the end of the novel which at least. is something Mace
1: just said mm-hmm.
0: execute him there and then yeah which is almost so something you know uh, anakin calls them out in uh in the ahsoka arc uh, that the trial is just a formality it's not actually or the jedi you know the jedi um, council trial that they have is basically just a formality and that they'd already made up their 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 mind and in this we see that again you know Voss doesn't get the opportunity to mount a defense he doesn't get an opportunity to explain himself to him because the the ironic thing here is you know we see Voss doing all of these evil things and, and you get into a situation where does the ends justify the means because what was he ultimately trying to do? Find the identity of pal- uh, of Sidious he was trying to unravel that big mystery, which is a a, a nod to uh, to his legends past. That was something he did a lot of in the the Legends comics. Um, but he was trying to unravel this big mystery that the the um, the Jedi never never could. That the Jedi never could un- unravel. And he came. I don't know. He came kind of close. He came cl- a lot closer than we saw most of the Jedi um, to it. And you know, had he discovered the identity of Sidious, maybe they would have been able to overthrow. Uh, or to overthrow him and, and end all of this before we ever got to Order sixty six and Revenge of the Sith, but he didn't. He 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 couldn't. And he but he went about it by falling to the dark side. So we see someone who has fallen to the dark side, and they're using the dark side and they're doing horrible things. But they ultimately have a noble intention at the end, right? They are. He is trying to end the war. He is trying to take out the Sith. And and that's what I I really enjoyed about this novel is that you know it it you know we see the Jedi dealing in black and white the Jedi who are supposed to be the light side of the Force are dealing with black and white which is a, a dark side trait and we see a character using the dark side dealing in a lot of grays.
1: Mm. Although I would say that Voss's intentions throughout the course of the second half of this novel are very ambiguous and. What he talks about there of trying to reveal the identity of Palpatine is exactly what Dooku said, is similar to what Anakin talked about at the end of The Wrench of the Sith. I will bring peace, order, and stability in this Mm. new empire. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal here, to end the war and bring peace. But through what means and to what end? And I think sometimes those are the questions that keep recurring at this stage. And Voss is certainly, as you rightly say, in a gray area, but that's not to condone what happened. Oh, no, no, absolutely. Because not. obviously they're in that gray area now. Yeah. They've moved away from the light. And the only two people who are still in it are Obi Wan and Yoda, which mm-hmm. is no surprise then to see that they live on past the events of Revenge of the Sith yeah. when the Mace Windows of this world. Killed at the end of the war.
0: Yeah. And it's it's really interesting, uh, just to go back to the fact that Mace doesn't want to have the trial for boss I mean, that's a, almost becomes a recurring thing for him now. You know, he doesn't want to to give Palpatine a trial. He's mm. gonna just kill him there in the office. Um it, and so now now he's basically he's going above the law. He's he's uh trying He, he sees, is the law. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, you know that's never what the Jedi were supposed to be. They were supposed to you know fight for what was right uh and then they became a part of the the political establishment and then they so then they were basically upholding they were supposed to uphold the laws of the republic and we see time and again that that's not what they're doing and and they're it's because they have um they're they're neither upholding the laws of of the republic nor are they doing what's right they have just committed to this dark path because they because because of the the brilliance of palpatine he he manipulated them and and the sith over thousands of years since uh, since darth bane they manipulated the jedi into this situation where they were they had so much power and they had become so arrogant like yoda says in in attack of the clones they were had become so arrogant and then like he says in rebels they succumb to the dark side and that's why the jedi order ultimately had to fall so that someone like luke skywalker could rebuild it one day hopefully maybe we'll see (laughs) episode eight december december 2017 Uh, yeah let's move on a little bit um i want to talk about dooku in in this um because dooku dooku is always a really interesting character and we, we don't always get to see a lot of him um but you can you know, again with the uh, with keeping in mind that this was season seven, probably towards the end of the Clone Wars, um, he 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 gets pretty badly beat in these episodes. I gotta say, and and you can really understand why Palpatine would be really uh would really want to start getting into situations where Anakin could uh could take over for him because he gets just wiped out and you can even tell that that Palpatine in in his brief scene or Sidious I should say in his brief scene he's kind of done with Duku. He's like, you know, Duku's like you could send a transport and Palpatine's like maybe and then hangs up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> he just hangs up on him. Uh what what do you think where, where do you where do you see Duku uh in his relationship with Palpatine at this point?
1: Oh, this is hit an all-time low for Duku. Oh yeah. He is just He's just been humiliated, really, throughout the whole course of this. The whole plot was to assassinate Dooku, and whilst the Jedi never really succeeded it, they did manage to embarrass him on multiple occasions. And Voss just managed to walk in there because obviously Dooku felt Voss was an ally. We're talking about towards the end of this novel when uh, Voss has agreed to assassinate Dooku a second time, and. Dooku has no clue of what's going on. And Voss manages to best Dooku in that duel. And you know, Dooku in that crash landing scene, you really see him at his lowest point where he's having to be helped up by Voss yeah. as they walk, as they've crash landed on the moon of Christophsis and they're walking to this tower. And so Palpatine is just looking and thinking, my goodness me, Dooku is just a waste of space. I mean, that's one part. But the other part as well is that he's just being a bit of a nuisance now. Because (laughs) once again, in that little meeting that Dooku has with Sidious, he brings up the fact that he has another assassin. And uh, Sidious is almost like... Just a tiresome exercise for him when he's like, oh, another one, another assassin, really. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't believe it for a moment. I, at least that's my perspective. And I, I'm not surprised that he would want Anakin and Dooku to face off multiple times. And when it gets to that point in Revenge of the Sith, Sith, when he just says, good, Anakin, kill him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's probably, he would probably want to do that himself if he could at this rate. So I don't think it's surprising. But I'll throw the question to you rather than me answering it wholly. What did you make of Dooku telling Sidious that he had another assassin? I mean, Dooku's motivations here, again, about toppling Sidious. Do you still go along with it? Or was that just almost Dooku pleading at that point with Voss to stay alive and wait for the opportunity to get the hell out of there?
0: Yeah, I think just the fact that Dooku said they could be equals, I really think he was he was not he had no intention of of serving alongside a boss. I think he was hoping to uh put him in a situation where he could betray him, where he could uh turn against him because that's just that's just not how the Sith do things, you know. There's got to be that master apprentice dynamic where the apprentice will one day overthrow the master because if they are equals, um, you know, you're just going to have one of them killing the other one. That was you know you know once the uh, the sith used to you know thousands and thousands of years ago the the sith there were lots of them and they fought each other and they killed each other until there were just two left bane and his apprentice and you know that's something that's something that they they did in Legends, but that's also something that George Lucas has talked about. Uh, I remember him saying that back at uh, Celebration Five in 2010 when he was interviewed by John Stewart. Um, so that it, that is uh, most definitely part of the canon. I, I, if I remember correctly, I think Bane met, uh, references that a little bit in the Yoda arc. Um, but yeah, we would we would have just had a situation where they would have eventually just one of them would have killed the other one, <laughs> the other one. And I I think you know Dooku. I, I I get the impression that maybe Dooku's frustrated. He feels he should be able to overthrow Sidious. You know, he was a Jedi for a long time. You know, with Maul, Maul was still very young when Obi Wan sliced him in, in half. You know, he still had a lot to learn. He wasn't uh, a a Sith Lord yet. He was still a Sith apprentice. Dooku, I think, feels he feels he is very much a Sith Lord. He um you know he was a Jedi for uh, most of his life, and then he. uh committed himself to the dark side after uh, leaving the Jedi order Uh, and his decision to, uh, to turn, to to turn, I think he felt that he should have been able to expedite the process of, of overthrowing Sidious. And, you know, he went through Ventress and then Savage and you have to imagine he was quite, he he was getting frustrated with uh, that process. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he ever had any intention of sharing that title with with Voss of, of being co-Sith lords. He was just desperate at that point for, one, his life, and two, an opportunity to actually overthrow Sidious, which is something he has wanted to do uh, basically the whole time he's been Darth Tyrannus.
1: Mm. So he has followed that Sith code in a way, although perhaps he wasn't going to go along with, with the notion of being equals with Voss, No. That's another recurring theme, however, throughout this, is the fact that the rule of two still exists. And although we focus it more on Anakin and Palpatine, Dooku has played his role in all of this, and a lot of the stories in the Clone Wars have revolved around attempts, Mm
0: -hmm. which
1: Dooku has attempts from Dooku to try and overthrow Darth Sidious, but he's never, ever been successful in his attempts. And you almost wonder, was that just a lack of Dooku's experience, knowledge in managing SIP apprentices? Perhaps he wasn't too powerful. What, what do you think the reason was for Dooku never really being able to hit that final step other than just saying, because, you know... The story, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> The story had already happened before. But in universe terms, why do you think that was the case?
0: I think Dooku ultimately just wasn't powerful enough. I think he was uh kind of a, a stopgap solution for Sid- Sidious. You know, I think Sidious invested a lot in Maul. And so when he assumed Maul was dead... Uh, he, he needed some someone else and he was already eyeing Anakin and he sort of, you know, he says, well, we'll watch your career with great interest. You know, he sees Anakin uh, as a potential Sith Lord, you know, from the moment he's a 10 year old boy. So he, he he's looking at Anakin as the future. He's not sure yet, but he he thinks that's where it's going. But he needed someone, you know, he couldn't put his plans on hold while he waited for Anakin. So he needed someone to... Uh, fill that role that Maul was supposed to, and he hoped that Anakin would one day. And so he went out and he found a Jedi who was dis- disillusioned with the Jedi Order, uh, and decided to turn him to the dark side. And and Dooku uh, is absolutely a very powerful warrior, but he is no ultimately he's not Anakin. He's not Maul. He loses to Maul. I mean, you know, Dooku's had a ba- a rough couple of stories here. You know, he loses to Maul in um, Son of Dathomir. He's forced to team up with Maul, and that's right. Like we basically have two two stories in a row where Dooku is is just beaten down, and and things are just don't go well for him. And you can bet Sidious is just like, "Hurry up, Anakin! Kill him! Kill him!" <laughs> um,
1: and, well, and- that's a funny point you make because another. Similarity, then, or uh, an identical moment, really, in the two novels is Sidious seeing Dooku beaten down. Uh-huh. I mean, in the Moore novel, he sees Dooku captured yeah. by Maul when they communicate. In this novel, he sees Dooku kind of holding himself, just about managing to stand up, and then somebody else emerging from the shadows. Uh, You know, Ventress even senses how powerful Darth Sidious is. Yeah. And Dooku has got no chance whatsoever of being able to topple that, even with Voss. you would think. Uh, And in fact, Voss would probably have to look at Dooku as a weak link at this point because Dooku (laughs) is just offered very little so far. And I think that's also interesting to perhaps see the rise of Anakin, but throughout the course of the Clone Wars to see... The decline of Dooku, really, mm. from that the individual who we saw in Attack of the Clones as being able to just put Kenobi and Anakin on the floor in Revenge of the Sith. Yes, okay, he puts Kenobi on the floor, but so does every every other Sith Lord. Um, <laughs> it's just that with Anakin, he can't hold his own, and it's not surprising now, really, is it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Anakin, Anakin's power grows, and. You know, what would be really interesting is if there is a story, one more story before the, um, the attack on Coruscant, where Anakin has a mission with the Chancellor, and, he, and the Chancellor sort of looks at him and goes, Okay, now's the time. Now is the time to really put things into motion. Now's the time to test you once and for all. I'm going to, I'm going to order Grievous and Dooku to attack Coruscant. And to take me hostage, and once that happens, we're going to we're going to settle this once and for all. And he has, um, you know, he has the confidence to know that um, Anakin and uh, Obi Wan will be called in to rescue him. Uh, called away, called away from Mandalore, apparently, <laughs> based on rebels. It seems, uh, and uh, it it's uh, it definitely seems like a situation where um anakin and obi where the he you know he's he's beginning to what we're seeing here is we're seeing a situation where dooku has consistently been bested by people and so not only is he is his power declining i i would love to see a situation where sidious gets one more look at anakin to say ah yes your power has increased to the point where i think you are ready and uh let's let's try this let's let's make this big play and let's see how this goes because you know as we've talked about on the show before he's made big plays before uh with Anakin uh that whole uh, the whole Naboo crisis uh that we dealt with in season 4 that was a big deal that was a, a big uh play for palpatine ultimately trying to have revenge of the sith happen a year earlier basically or a year and a half earlier and and so i i think that's uh Yeah, that's where we're that's where we're going. That's where, well, obviously that's where we're going. But I I think we're seeing uh, some very interesting steps along that path that we didn't get to see in the films for obvious reasons.
1: Well, there's a, a couple of interesting points in terms of that as well. I mean the the Battle of Coruscant at the start, when Palpatine really is the ultimate chess master in that scene. He puts all the pieces in place with Dooku, Obi Wan, and Anakin, and I'm sure that Palpatine went in that room. Whether hoping, well, I would say hoping his his uh, ultimate victory would have been Dooku and Obi Wan. Yeah. (laughs) So Dooku to kill Obi Wan, and then Anakin to kill Dooku, and then they walk out. That was you know at the end of that scene says, "Leave Obi Wan, or we'll never make it." Yeah. He wants Anakin to leave him be, and then it's just him and Anakin, and that's a lot easier. You know, it's a lot easier to court someone like that than it is when Obi-Wan's still hanging around in the background. (laughs) Um, But I also wonder about the timing, because now with this added Ahsoka dimension, I wonder whether Palpatine also considered that angle. I don't know necessarily how much Ahsoka impacted on Anakin in those moments when they saw each other, but I wonder if uh, Palpatine was aware of something, because Palpatine, obviously, being that puppet master... um, I, I'd be interested to almost comprehend the significance of the timing of the Battle of Coruscant. Now we know that Anakin was sent away from talking to Ahsoka, whatever mission he was on, mm-hmm. to rescue the Chancellor.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You know, maybe you know Anakin says to her uh, when she leaves, you know, he understands wanting to walk away from the Jedi Order. And maybe seeing her again... Put some thoughts in his mind about, huh, maybe, maybe I could, mm. maybe, maybe this is, maybe what she's doing is the right path. Maybe I'm on the wrong path. Uh, and ultimately, you know he's so confused about this. It's it's very interesting when pa- Padme kind of raises things to him. You know, are we on the right side of the war? Obviously, Anakin's so committed to the Chancellor, but maybe he feels a situation where part of his outburst at her is that he's questioning those same, those same, those same things too. But he's not willing to deal with it just yet in in Revenge mm. of the Sith. There, but. Yeah, Reven- Revenge of the Sith. You don't. We don't really know. Again, this is something about the Star Wars movies and, and TV shows as well. We don't really know how much time passes. And we had a debate on the Star Wars Underworld podcast about how long, uh, you know, how how many days The Force Awakens is. Whether it's you know, uh, you know, a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Uh, the consensus seemed to be it was you know a week or less. Uh, maybe I think. Four days was what's uh was what Chris and Ben were saying. I was thinking it was a little bit longer, but you know. But Revenge of the Sith, it could really have been like three months. You know, <laughs> there's there's lots of time that could have passed in between there. Uh same thing with Empire Strikes Back and, and most of the other movies. Um, it's really only uh Return of the Jedi and, and Force Awakens and, and Phantom Menace, I guess as well, um, are so quick that they uh you know they they, you, they can't be too too long. But these ones, Revenge of the Sith. Could have been quite some time, and so uh, Anakin seeing Ahsoka before the opening of Revenge of the Sith may not have actually played into into Palpatine's plans uh, very much, other than you know she's just a nice sort of uh, a nice uh, other reminder to Anakin of you know or nice other piece of evidence to Anakin that the Jedi are not the good people, the good people they um, claim to be. It would have been interesting had the Clone Wars continued, because, um, you know, Filoni said they would have followed some of their characters. Um, you know, Dave Filoni, supervising director, uh, said they would have followed, you know, Ahsoka and Rex through the events of Revenge of the Sith. And it would have been, that might have given us a sense of how long, uh, how much time passed. And I, I, I hope those stories do get told someday, because I would love to know what happened to those characters. Um, you know, we, we get a bit of a sense during. Uh, during uh rebels but i would love to know specifically how did they react to it because obviously it's a pretty horrifying event
1: yeah absolutely and yeah there's i mean how how on earth would you react to something like that it would be yeah it would be very interesting to find out i i completely agree with you there
0: yeah uh now i want to talk a little bit about uh we get one chapter uh, from the viewpoint of Anakin, where he he meets with Padme and they kind of talk and and compare themselves to Ventress and Voss, and you know we have it's a it's a similar situation where you know two people who belong to um, institutions that should that shouldn't fall in love wind up falling in love, uh, but Anakin you know basically laughs it off and says you know we're different, we're not like them, but I, I get the I, I feel like maybe they're a bit more alike. Than, uh, than, they care to admit. Uh, did you get that sense at all? Do you get? Do you, do you think there's more? Um, do, do you think Anakin and Padme have more uh, alike with Ventress and Voss than they'd really like to admit?
1: Oh, absolutely. And uh, Padme is the one, really, in this little scene who highlights it. And I think she recognizes the fact that yes, Ventress and Voss could be in love. Mm-hmm. Anakin is very dismissive, as you say. At the end of it, he says, Ventress isn't capable of anything as selfless as love, and Voss couldn't possibly have cared about a murderess like her. Besides, she's the one who took him to the dark side in the first place. And then Padme responds by saying, Stranger things have happened, and maybe if she loves him, she's his way back from it. So, Anakin is very. As I said, dismissive and reluctant to agree that Ventress and Voss are in love. But Padme recognizes the parallels between Padme and Anakin's relationship and Voss and Ventress's. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a number of similarities, really, particularly the fate of the relationships. And I think that's one of the crucial elements. There's a little yeah. bit of foreshadow here as well, I believe, when you see what happens to Ventress at the end of this novel. Of course, in t- different type of circumstances, but in a way, the yeah, well, I guess in different sort of different sort of ways. But there is that kind of confrontation between the the Jedi and the other, i.e., Ventress being the bounty hunter or Padme being um, the senator, and Voss at this time has turned to the dark side. And Anakin when he has that confrontation with Padme on the landing platform was also turned to the dark side. And it's interesting to see the different reactions. But in essence, it ends in the death Mm -hmm. of the two women, i.e. the dark side action. So Voss of course was consumed by the dark side. Ventress sacrificed herself, but that was to try and save Voss. Yeah. And then Anakin chokes Padme. And she dies, Ventress dies. Uh, the fate there, I think there were some parallels between the two. And Anakin, being as hypocritical as ever, has kind of looked at it and thought, well, we're different. Yeah. No, we're not <laughs> the same. When actually, there is not too much different between them, apart from if you take the characters' force capabilities or anything like that way. But the situation, the events, are not too dissimilar. Uh, Did did you manage to find any parallels, Dominic, between Anik and Padme and the Vos Ventress relationships?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think we have, uh, we have situations where people, I mean, the comparisons are there just very surface level. uh, If you're looking for them, you know, people who, you know, probably shouldn't fall in love, but fall in love anyways. And, uh, you know, they, they go down this dark, one of them goes down the dark path. And ultimately, you know, Padme says, I can't follow you. And that's, that, that, that's the main difference is i think um ventress ventress uh ultimately she she makes the decision later that she can't follow him I, but i think she she believes in in voss or she actually you know what i'm i'm going to change that cuz she's just in a bad situation she winds up in a situation where she's being lied to by him uh whereas padme gets the truth right away you know she gets uh, you know when anakin Anakin lies to her and she kind of goes along with his uh, with his lie about he's going to end the separatist that the, the Jedi have turned against the Republic and all that. It's only when Obi-Wan shows up and tells her the truth that she goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to go face him now and and find things out for myself. Uh, Ventress, she doesn't get that opportunity, right? She's just, you know, well, you she goes along that, with
1: but, but she does get the hologram talk with Obi-Wan.
0: Yeah, when but then wan
1: tells her, but she doesn't get the opportunity to find out the same way Padme does. No, yeah,
0: she she's that. in a she's the, the whole time she's in a just a bad situation where she's with Dooku and, and Voss, and even, you know, in their weakened state, both of them, as we see, could kill her. She is ultimately the the you know, for as for as great a warrior she is, she is she's injured, and she would ultimately lose to a Sith Lord and a Jedi Master. Uh, and, and so she's just in a situation where she just kind of has to keep going with it if she wants to survive. And it's only when she decides uh, to commit to the light and make a completely selfless act, which ultimately is what saves Voss, um, that, she, uh, that, that, that she makes her decision and, and realizes the truth. And, and that's what kills her but it is also what saves voss so it's it's, it's she's it's a different situation uh, the situation i would compare it more to is is almost like uh you know that especially with that final scene is very vader and luke in return of the jedi you know right down to the i am a jedi line <laughs> but you have a situation where um luke is essentially sacrificing himself to save vader you know he's being killed by the emperor he doesn't he he threw down his weapon he didn't kill the emperor he he committed to the jedi way and uh, Vader only when he's seeing, uh, you know, Anna, uh, Luke being tortured makes the decision to commit to the light and, you know, throw the Emperor down the shaft. So, I, th- there are some interesting comparisons there. Uh, ultimately, I think Anakin and Padme should have seen what happened to Voss and Ventress as a bit of a warning. But I, 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 I actually, this is one time where I agree with them. I, I kind of agree with them that they, they are different. That uh, you know for as much lying and deceiving that goes on between the two of them, they, well, hmm, there is a lot of lying and deceiving that goes on between the two of them. Maybe they aren't that different. And I think maybe that is the key, is the lies and the deception. And that's ultimately what gets Ventress and Padme killed, is because Anakin, Anakin, you know, he, he won't tell her what's really going on. And, and so she has to go and confront him herself. And that's what you know, leads to the, you know, joking, <laughs> to him choking her out. And whereas Ventress, you know, Voss is uh, leading her along this, this weird path of his. And yeah, so it, it's a, it's an interesting comparison, but I, I you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think,
1: I think it's one of those ones where you would say it certainly opens interpretation. I mm-hmm. mean, I think there are some instances when they parallel, as you talked about the lies and deceit point, mm-hmm. but, Perhaps there are other times when they differ as well, yeah, I think and perhaps in general it's kind of as you said to serve as a, a bit of a warning of what could happen down the line
0: uh-huh. as
1: much as anything else because whilst the situations aren't completely comparable, the relationship aspect I think is what they're trying to highlight and and the interaction between the two people within that relationship is not based on trust yeah it's based on lies and deceit
0: yeah well what we see is we're comparing two very unhealthy relationships right you know anakin and padme uh is a very unhealthy relationship we see that time and again throughout the movies and the show Uh, and we see in this novel that you know ventress and voss uh don't have the best relationship it's all based on lies and deceit and uh they are different relationships they don't the stories don't parallel each other by any stretch of the imagination but i think yeah you're right it was a it should be considered a warning to Anakin and Padme. And, and there are some very disturbing traits that they have in common. But let's uh let's move on quickly to, well, Ventress's death and uh that moment where she does ultimately make the decision to uh sacrifice herself and save Voss. And now Ventress is a character that we followed. She was in the Clone Wars movies. She was in the very first episode. You know, she's a character we followed all the way through the series and now to, you know, we reached the end of her story. Uh, much like with Mother Talzin last week, Um, I'll just throw this to you. How, do you. how do you feel about the way her story ended? Was it satisfying? Do you feel like that you got a good, uh, complete character arc from her over the course of uh, six seasons, a movie, and a book?
1: Yes. <laughs> That's
0: my <laughs> answer to that. Yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> very
1: satisfied with the way Ventress's story came to a close in this novel. She has been through a lot, a lot. I mean, to go back all the way to the start of the Clone Wars, the Clone Wars movie, when uh, we first see her during the um, the Battle of, of Christophsis, mm-hmm. and I think it's just incredible how. The story arc of Sarge Ventress has evolved over time. She went from that Sith Acolyte. Well, we we'll could go back even further to that from the uh, from the memories storyline, when she used to be an infant, a force user, then she was a Jedi apprentice, then a Sith Acolyte, and then she transformed into a knight sister again, and then she became a bounty hunter. There were just so many layers to her storyline. And I think the way she came to an end there, to almost become a Jedi again, it couldn't have got much better. I don't think and I love the fact that it was the selfless act of saying Voss the dark side is wrong uh, You don't want to go down the same path that I did and uh, She says I already left that behind you can too you have a choice Mm-hmm. And I think that selfless act of trying to save somebody else from the clutches of the dark side is what permitted her to tap into the force the way she did and harness this energy to see the future. And by the way, that scene I thought was completely comparable to the Ray Kylo scene when mm-hmm. they fought, and then in the middle of the duel, it seemed as though time stopped for Ray. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of the impression I got with Ventress in that scene where she was talking with Voss, and then it kind of slowed down and she could hear the Force and the Force was speaking to her. And I think those those were some of the similarities. That's visually how I thought it would be represented almost. And so I thought it was interesting to see that theme kind of recur and a, a nice little link to The Force Awakens there. Yeah. But overall, I think ventress's storyline was very yeah. satisfying and it was tragic but the way it came to an end when she was her body was taken back to Dafamir was pretty much perfect what were your thoughts on it though dominic ventress's end to the story yeah are you satisfied with it as well
0: yeah i think that th- yeah absolutely i think they they did a really good job um Changing the character from a one-dimensional bad guy into a, a very compelling character who we followed um, very intently throughout the uh, the last few seasons of the show, and then she got her own novel, um, and I, I think they did a really good job with this character. And uh, you know, you make a great point. You know, she started as a Jedi, and and she ca- she came full circle. I I believe in that moment when she saved Voss, she was embodying all of the best traits. Of the Jedi and everything that the Jedi are supposed to be, and I, I think that the the very fact that she was able to uh, to do that uh, speaks volumes about uh, about her character and and how far she'd come in her story and and so I, I think uh, yeah I, I really uh, do think that was um, the, uh, a satisfying conclusion and in a way you know she really does go full circle because if you look at her story, she was night sister, um, Jedi uh, a Jedi Sith bounty hunter, Jedi night sister. You know, she kind of, she all, she ultimately came back and that, you know, that final scene where they take her body back to Dathomir, like you said, it was just a, just a great moment. a a really, a, a a really, a strong ending to the, to, to this character arc. Uh, You know, it's a character, it was a tragic character from the beginning and, and, you know, ultimately there was a, I don't think there was going to be any any real happy ending for Asajj Ventress. I think she ultimately this was ultimately going to be her fate. But I'm glad that she, um, you know, was able to commit to being to the light side and to being good at the end. There.
1: Well, it also answers another question that many people have liked answered: Who is Asajj Ventress? Yeah. What is her true identity? And I think that's answered at the end of this. She's a Knight Sister. She was born in Dafamir and she was raised to be a Knight Sister. When she abandoned the way, or she was abandoned by Dooku, she returned to Daffemir.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was her home, and the only reason she left was because, in a way, she was forced to leave Dathomir because of the Separatist onslaught and the fact that the Knight Sisters had been wiped out. Where does she go to when she trains Voss up? She goes to Dathomir. All this time, Daphne was seen as her home, and that was her true identity. And I think that's what Ventress had been searching throughout her whole life almost. Who was she supposed to be? And she never really had the opportunity to fulfill that destiny because from a a birth, she was taken away by a bounty hunter. When she returned, the Night Sisters were wiped out. She never had that opportunity to actually grow up and be who she wanted to be. And I think that in itself is extremely tragic. But then it's also poignant when we go to the final pages of this novel and see that when she returns, the words uttered in that lake, or at least what Voss interprets it to be, is sister. That's who she was. And so in that way, like you said, Dominic, very succinctly, Mm -hmm. full circle her story has come complete full circle in those moments
0: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and so i think that's the perfect place to uh to leave things and uh, unless unless you have anything else you'd like to add we can maybe move on to our our favorite quotes
1: no i think we're pretty much there to be honest then let's end The way the novel ended, I guess, Mm -hmm. makes sense, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So with that, let's transition into our favorite quotes. This is the part of the show where we like to spotlight some of the great writing that went into this series by uh, picking some great, uh, some great moments out. So I'll I'll throw it to you first. What is your favorite quote from the novel?
1: Well, I'm going to go for the one of, of one of the moments that we've been speaking about recently, which is when. Ventress appeals to Boss to turn back to the light side. So here, here we go. Brace ourselves, folks. What kind of life will that be, Quinlan? Ventress's voice broke. The kind where we're slaves to our hatred, our rage. That's what the dark side made me. That's what it does. Nothing is ever enough. You get more and more, but you're never happy. It's a trap baited with all the things you want most. That life, it's not worth living. I already left that behind. You can too. You have a choice. That was one of my favorite quotes. And if I was consumed by the dark side, that would probably shake me up a bit as well. Yeah. So <laughs> over to you, Dominic. What was one of your favorite quotes?
0: Yeah, well, one of my favorite quotes, it's a. It's, a, it's an Obi-Wan thought. Uh, I will put it that way. It's, it's a, a funnier line uh, when Obi-Wan thinks about, uh, about, Quinlan Voss. he thinks it was difficult not to like Voss, even when one wished to strangle him. (laughs) And that just, (laughs) that just takes you back to that, uh, that clone wars episode that Voss was in when those two went on that mission together. And it was, uh, it it was very reminiscent of that and and quite a bit of fun and, uh, injected, you know, that was a great thing about the book and about these characters is that we were able to still have a bit of levity, even in these, uh, most dire circumstances. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that, you know, every now and again, you need to break the tension with a little laugh and, uh, laughs can be just as powerful as, uh, as tears. And we even got that a bit at the end when, when, uh, Vos goes to, to see Ventress right before she dies, he goes over to her body and he, and she she he says to her like you know don't try to speak and she says don't try to tell me what to do idiot and it's like even in that that final moment she's still that same character that she's always being you know the uh, you know who's always always ready with a quip always uh, not gonna take uh, not gonna take any uh, you know what from anybody
1: yeah absolutely and so I've got one more it's not really a quote I mean I was actually gonna nick the the Kenobi one that you said at the <laughs> top but. I feel like there's no need to recycle that. Mm-hmm. But this is towards the end of the novel. And this is when Vesh, sorry, Ves? This Dash. is when, that's the mixture between <laughs> Ventress and Voss. Um, <laughs> so this is when Voss is saying his final farewell to Ventress. And the description here by Christy Golding is He took a shaky breath. He had thought he would dread this moment, but he was surprised to feel more a sense of quiet peace than pain. This was the right thing to do, and he knew it bone deep. I I quite like that because it kind of speaks to the fact that we do get to see a resolution to Voss's characters. Yeah, He's gone through a lot, this storyline. And so for me, it was quite appealing, uh, and certainly appeased me at least, to see that he had that sense of quiet and peace. Mm. Now she was back home.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean that's something we didn't really touch on but I mean what do you think is next for Quinlan Vos having been through this experience like this he's obviously never going to have the full trust of the Jedi Council again is he just going to kind of continue existing on on smallish missions with Obi-Wan or or with other Jedi supervising him and until order 66 happens or is is there kind of a redemption for him out there cuz you know he you get the impression that even though he comes back to the Jedi, uh, and he, uh, you know, he, he returns to the Jedi and, 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 continues fighting with them that he almost doesn't, he doesn't feel that he's earned that, that he's redeemed himself yet. You know, I got that impression from boss that he still carried such an incredible weight. And then, you know, it would be interesting to see one day, uh, with, if we ever get to see a force ghost from anakin or or after if in episodes 8 or 9 or if kylo ren ever has to deal with this ben solo you know like that that situation of can somebody who has committed such evil acts you know continue on living even though they have you know committed themselves to the right path is there can they ever be redeemed in their own eyes not in the eyes of everybody around them but in their own eyes and and I, that that's something that i feel like the novel touched on a little bit, and it, it gave us a little insight into Quinlan at, at the end there, with it just how you know how how much of a gut punch that final chapter is. But because really, we 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 finally get to see, for the first time uh, in this, really since he turned to the dark side, we get to see things from his perspective, and, and there's really a you know a sense of of massive guilt that he he holds, and uh, uh, you know it, it, I think that. You know, that whole chapter just kind of embodies it.
1: Well, that, I think that also just speaks in general to the nature of the light side and the dark side. That we are able to read Quinlan Voss's thoughts when he is the Jedi. Uh-huh. And then when you're a disciple of the dark side, we don't read it as much. Or feelings aren't necessarily highlighted in that same way because you don't have that same compassion as you do when you're a Jedi. Mm. So, perhaps, whether that's a writing tool or not, I think it is interesting that how you discovered that throughout the course of Voss being dark side, even when he portrayed himself to be a Jedi, um, there was still that dark side within him. We didn't get to hear or listen to his thoughts. And so. I think it's even more poignant when you do get to see his for read his thoughts at the end of the novel and see that his character has certainly not come full circle in the same way. His story is far more complicated now, and who knows where Quindon Voss is now? Mm-hmm. I mean, the final question to ask you, Dominic: Do you think he survived all the sixty six?
0: I don't know. I I I, I almost imagine that he. He can't survive Order Sixty Six after this, and not because you know he he went evil or anything like that. I, I think you know we learned the truth that you know, and I I do feel that he is redeemed. And uh, I, I don't know if we necessarily he's redeemed and and forgiven. I think. More or less in the eyes of of the characters, especially obi-wan uh and uh, and Yoda, and I think as well in the the eyes of the readers because we know just the situation that he was put in and, and how he was set up to fail essentially um but as I was saying it you know I think he carries this insane guilt with him, and should he should order sixty six come around I mean that would be a great story to tell one day uh Maybe he sacrifices himself so that it, so that some younglings can live. Maybe he fights off Anakin for a while at the temple, and and some and some Jedi are able to escape, uh, or or who knows what. Maybe he maybe he was on a mission and he held off the clones. You know, I I ultimately think Order sixty six is where Quintin Voss will find his heroic end through some sort of uh, self sacrifice, and and you know that's that's something that Star Wars you know we've seen with, with Vader is that you know he he could never really um be redeemed unless he sacrificed his own life um to to allow his his son to survive and and all the others uh you know by allowing his son to survive he allows so many others to survive after him so it it will be interesting to see because we do have a character here who went to the dark side and came back and now has to carry that guilt going forward and uh you know it, I, you can bet that that i don't know if that's a story we'll get anytime soon i don't know if that's a story we'll ever get i don't know if it, that's even a story we need to see someday maybe that's just something that's better to be left to be speculated on uh forever and ever but uh it, it's definitely there's definitely some interesting fertile ground there for something more to happen i don't think i don't think this is the end of quinlan voss's story um it's a good stopping point but i don't think it's the end of his story just yet And with that, we will wrap things up for this episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, Just before we go, we have time for our final thoughts and score out of 10 for the second half of Dark Disciple. So, Kieran, I'll throw it over to you. Final thoughts and score out of 10.
1: Dark Disciple Part 2. Final thoughts. I... I think the second half was brilliant. It was my favorite half of the novel. And <laughs> I think it was my favorite for multiple reasons. And for me, I love politics and styles. Absolutely. Perhaps more so than many other star wars fans do but i also do love the visceral nature the the kind of deep emotions that as an audience member i feel towards the characters on the screen or in the book and i really felt that towards the end of this novel particularly with ventress and quinlan Voss, obi-wan these are characters who with the exception of obi-wan quinlan Voss and Asajj, Ventress have been minor characters really in the Star Wars saga, particularly in the movies when they're not even really considered. Boss has that one appearance, Ventress does not appear. And yet in this story, they were the main characters, they were the protagonists. And it was just so fascinating and heartwarming to see how that relationship blossomed and then also so tragic when the relationship fell apart. And I think that just is a credit to Christy Golden for the writing of this story. I think the style of it was fantastic. And at no point in the second half of the novel, although you did make a good point, Dominic, it did seem a bit fast-paced at times, I didn't feel like I was hitting a lull or I was getting bored at any point of this story. I was hooked. I loved it. And so the way the story ended for Ventress, I think, we, as we've discussed, was a perfect way to round off her story, and there's still speculation left to kind of think about what will happen to boss in the future. So with that in mind, I'm going to give this rating a 9.5 out of 10. Over to you, Dom.
0: I'm trying to remember what I gave the first part of the novel. What score I gave it. Uh, I can't remember, but nice. it, it was a high score. Yeah, it, it may very well have been a 10 out of 10 i mean this novel itself as a whole if i were to rate rank the novel as a whole it would definitely be a 9.5 out of 10. uh and i'll give the second half a 9 out of 10. I, you know I, like i said it was a little bit uh some of the yeah, there's i would have liked to have spent a little bit more time with the discovery of boss of turning to dark to the dark side but i also understand that star wars storytelling is faster and more intense and and keeping things moving and and i think everything that we got you know like you said there were never any points where i felt bored there were never any points where i felt like the story was lagging it it kept moving it kept me interested and that's ultimately what's most important is does it keep your interest and it absolutely did and i think uh christy golden just did an amazing amazing job uh throughout this novel you know i remember when the book came out back in the summer uh, I, I took it with me on the flight to San Diego Comic Con. I was reading it there. I was reading it on the bus home from work and, and all this stuff. And I remember, I even got to. Got to get my copy signed by Christy Golden it's one of the few uh, Star Wars books I actually got signed uh, and, and then you know again if you're interested you can go back in the Star Wars Underworld podcast archives and find the interview that we did with Christy uh, right after the book came out or a couple of weeks after the book came out and, and listen to that and she offers some really interesting insight into the you know the, the adaptation process and some of the changes that she made and and I, I just think she did such a good job and you know that final chapters that got punched. and you know I you know Rereading a book is not something I, I usually do, and and so to reread this book and to just enjoy it just as much the second time, if not more, uh, I think it, it speaks to the quality of this book and the quality of this story and the quality of these characters and you know the way that Voss and Ventress were fleshed out in, in such a, a full and, and uh, amazing ways, and to get more insight on Obi Wan is always always a plus, and yeah, just a, a really really a, a great novel and a You know, and if if this is the last story we're gonna get from the Clone Wars uh, team, uh, that was a hell of a way to go out. You know, they always found a good a good way to go out. Whether it was Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order, whether it was uh, Yoda uh, giving his final thoughts to Mace and and Obi Wan after his uh, his journey in the Yoda arc, or whether it's this, they always found uh, really emotional endpoints. For us, and I, I think this was just just another example of that. And uh, I, I love this novel; it is my absolute favorite novel of the new canon. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's far and away the best. Uh, it, it, you know, the only one that really comes close, I think, is a, a New Dawn. Uh, but that's a that's a topic for another podcast. So yeah, nine out of ten for the second half, nine point five out of ten for the novel as a whole. So that will wrap things up for this episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. Yes, that was the last bit of Clone Wars content released. But that doesn't mean it's the end of the show. No, we've got a few more episodes planned, a few more fun things in store. You're definitely not going to want to miss our next episode. We've got something really cool in store for you guys. You may be able to find out what it was if you go back and listen to a previous episode. We may have mentioned it, but we're going to keep it a secret for now. I can't remember if I mentioned it before, but we'll keep it a secret for now. Uh, So it'll be a surprise when you tune in uh, next time. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Uh, Kieran, do you want to let people know what is coming up on Expression FM?
1: Yes, we have a huge project lined up for Expression FM this week. And uh, before I talk about that, though, I don't know if I mentioned before, as we haven't been on here for a very long time, but I've now got a new show and expression. Yeah. And, and that was a weird, uh, was a weird a cheer
0: I just gave there. I, I want to yeah. do that again. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. That's, that's more cheers po- than I get on the show yeah. itself. So I'll take everyone as they come. Well, that first that um, first
0: one I gave sounded like I went like, blah, or something <laughs> I just want to I'll make take it. that as well.
1: <laughs> I, you know, if, if, if that's your disdainful way of judging the show, <laughs> I'll take that as well. I just, I just want interaction. Um, no, I, I've got a new show every Tuesday. 12pm till 2pm on a Tuesday but that's 12pm this time so if you get up really early at like 7 in the morning or 7 till 9am and you need dulcet tones to try and help you wake up then you can listen to my show but fortunately my show is more music based so you might just hear some nice cheery songs or feel good songs because I know I'm going to want to have a feel good song if I'm getting up uh, to campus for that time because Any... for a student 12pm is very late <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the real world not so much um, <laughs> but on top of that we've got a big project lined up on this Friday coming up we've got a project called 3 3 campuses, two counties, one broadcast, and that means that, yes, Expression Effect are going to be broadcasting across every campus in Exeter. And whilst you may think to yourself, well, that should be pretty easy if you've already got the set in Expression, well, that could be the case if it were not for the fact that... The other part of the campus is 200 miles away, so that's going to be interesting, and um, we're going to hope it works well, and um, I'm looking forward to it, but if you want to listen, then you can do. It's 10 a.m. till 4 p.m. on Friday, GMT time, so if you want to have a lunch break or you want to find out whether we're making a mess of it or if we've actually got it working, maybe just message us and let us know it's working. I think that's probably why I'm going to implore people to listen in case we're not on air. But apart from that, I am very much, very excited to see how it goes. Anyhow, that's enough of me rambling on about Expression. How to get involved, how to get in touch, you can listen in on our website, www.expression.fm. You can also follow us on our Twitter handle. Our handle is called at ExpressionFM with an X. And you can also get involved on Facebook. Our Facebook page is www.facebook.com slash Expression And that's how you can get involved. I'm going to go straight back to you, Dominic, and you can right. tell listeners how to get involved with other podcasts yeah, of well, the Star Wars Underworld.
0: Well, first I want to ask you, any plans for uh, any Jabba Flow or uh, a Lapti Neck or uh, Jedi Rocks uh, on the shows uh, coming up?
1: Uh quite possibly oh, i have seen that there was a new cd released uh electronic dance yeah. star wars songs i think i'm gonna to have to get that
0: i recommend the, the um i recommend the help me track it's a remix it's, it's got the um it's got the help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope uh uh running through it it's pretty uh it's pretty sweet we played it we played a clip of it on the star wars underworld podcast a few weeks ago it's a the kind of thing you could imagine being played at the 501st Bash at the Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that
1: CD is going to be played out and probably put on a loop at the Star Wars Bash, that's for sure. But I'm looking forward to listening to that. And maybe, maybe, just maybe,
0: if you tune in, you might hear those songs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I also want to remind you to check out Star Wars Underworld podcast. We record that live Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern on Channel 1138.com. That's myself and my co-hosts and good friends, Chris Ben, Chris Ben, Chris Chris Ben and Seagal Hart. (laughs) Chris Seagal, Chris Seagal and Ben Hart. Oh man. Uh, Yeah. They've just molded into one person. Um, That's right. We're
1: just Kieran Dominic and Doug and Jones. That's us.
0: (laughs) Oh man. You know, I could, I could imagine. I could Duggan Jones. That 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 almost sounds like a person's real name. Yeah, exactly. You you could. That could pass. That could pass as a person's name. So if you're looking for a fake ID, I could envision that as a Facebook profile. Yeah, I could envision that. anyways so uh, yeah stars on the podcast thursday nights 9 p.m eastern channel 1138.com then released on itunes the following day that's so that you'll be there for you friday morning as you uh head to work or school or wherever you've got to be on fridays uh we've also got live from a that's our weekly rebels discussion podcast i've uh, got episodes out covering every episode of season two so far uh including uh including uh, the episode for Homecoming, where you can hear Kieran, uh, and uh, most recently Shroud of Darkness, uh, where we talked about uh, Ahsoka finally coming to terms with the truth, plus uh, we mentioned this episode a couple times, Ezra and Yoda, That that was some pretty good stuff in there, so you definitely don't want to miss that you can find all of those shows plus this show on by searching for the Star Wars Underworld on iTunes that's right you get three shows for the price of one and that price is absolutely free so head over to iTunes and subscribe and also review if you leave us a five star review we'll give you a shout out on the main show man I think that'll do it for uh, for this week oh also want to remind you to check out Star Wars for all the latest breaking Star Wars news including the Force Awakens, Episode Eight, Rogue One, Star Wars Rebels, Clone Wars, books, comics, everything else. There's so much good stuff coming up in uh, in Star Wars right now. Right now, there's uh, filming for Episode Eight. It's going on in Dubrovnik, and we've got lots and lots and lots of set picks from that, and, and little videos and stuff. So if you want to know what they're doing out there in Croatia while they're working on Episode Eight hit up star wars uh if you don't want to know anything about what's going on don't worry uh we have everything uh that is a spoiler appropriately marked so if you don't want to see a spoiler uh you will be able to avoid them that will wrap things up for us here at the clone Wars strikes back thank you everybody for listening we'll be back hopefully in two weeks time but if you've listened to this show until now you know there is no guarantee of that <laughs> and like i said yeah, we've i'll got, give it another two months yeah give it another two months but <laughs> like <top> that. <laughs> but we've got we've got something really cool in store for you guys so uh it'll be well worth uh, whatever the wait is if it's two weeks two months hopefully not two years if it's two years then it'll be a bit of a letdown <laughs> um, but we we've got something really cool and so you'll you definitely don't want to miss that and uh we're talking about other ways to keep the show going for a little while longer because we have so much fun doing this we have so much fun talking about the clone wars uh, and uh I just remembered something else I need to tell you. It's been so long since we've done one of these things. I've forgotten all of the plugs. You also want to uh, follow us on social media. Just search for the Clone Wars Strikes Back on Facebook. Like us over there. That way you'll never miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter at TCW Strikes Back. I'm at DominicJ25 and Kieran is at Duggan 6 That truly is it. If I've forgotten anything else, then too bad. So sad for, for, for that. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Until then. May the Force be with you. It's a
1: wrap. It's a wrap.